Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, Denise and I are going to share with you all some stories and questions that you guys have emailed to us or messaged us on Facebook. So we've got some great things to share from you all, and we really appreciate you guys reaching out to us because it reminds us that we are just all part of this wonderful community. Denise, would you like to share our first one? I'd love to. This first one says... I'm hoping to get some advice from both of you. I'm coming into my abilities with being an intuitive empath, and I'm at the very early stages of mediumship. As a kid, I was never really spiritual and questioned everything people would say that was in the Bible because none of it made any sense to me. As I've grown up, I've been baptized as I've come to know and love Jesus and God. However, I still felt something was missing in my spiritual journey. I've known for a while that I was different, having these odd feelings about others, having visitations from people who have crossed over while asleep, and experiencing so many paranormal phenomena all around me. Since then, I've learned how to cleanse my house, meditate, and claim my own space. In my journey, I have my own mediumship mentor to help me, and I'm part of a mediumship group that meets each week. I still go to my therapist, who's a Christian therapist, to discuss my journey and he is super encouraging and helpful. I also listen to podcasts such as yours, which has been a blessing in my journey. Thank you. Read books, do restorative yoga, and above all, keep Jesus and God at the center of everything. I feel more in tune with my spiritual self than I thought was possible. Since learning about my guides, angels, life lessons, and reincarnation, I feel so empowered, and everything now makes sense to me. I know both of you have talked about how friends and family would react when they found out about your abilities in the beginning of your journeys. I haven't told many people, but I was very excited to tell my best friend because we haven't had any time to catch up. When I told her all these wonderful things I've been experiencing, she said, it's all a distraction to take me away from God. I know this isn't true because I have more of a relationship with him now than I ever have before. The conversation was okay. I tried telling her that it was not steering me away because God gave us guides and angels and they're working for him. I do have to admit it was a bit of a letdown. In the moment, I thought to myself, this just might break our friendship. What did you guys experience with this and how could I handle this in the future? I can't and will not change where I am in my life for anyone. This is who I am. I'm so incredibly happy, blessed, and clear. Any advice is greatly appreciated. Samantha, you and I have both been there, done that, have the t-shirt, and it is really, really difficult to be that vulnerable and expose your truest self to someone, especially someone that has known you and knows your true face. The other thing is I agree with, with Christy, and thank you for sharing this with us, Christy, because I think it's going to resonate with a whole lot of people that are listening. I, I agree. I, I see this work as a connection to spirit, a connection to God. You and I both use prayer and meditation and intertwine our religious background with this work. So I I just can't in my 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 logical mind, I can't imagine why we would be wired this way if it wasn't what God and Spirit intended. Yeah, I agree. You know, Dr. Raymond Moody, who started all the NDE research, has recently written a book called God is Bigger Than the Bible. 
And he wrote it because he gets so much backlash from a certain very, very religious people who are telling him that what he's doing is evil and wrong and there is no afterlife until the resurrection. And, you know, it just made me think everyone comes to their own understanding of religion in their own way. And it brings them comfort and solace and a sense of connection and belonging. And so if Christie's friend's way of interacting with her God is working for her, then that's what's working for her. And if Christie's way of interacting with God is working for her, then we all just need to accept where we are on our journey. And it's really painful and difficult and isolating and lonely when people from our support group do not support us where we are. One of the things that has helped me when I've come across this in my own life is to just say, I understand and respect where you're coming from. And I ask that you keep me in my prayers. It kind of ends the conversation because you're not defending yourself. You're not arguing. You're not putting down their beliefs. You're simply saying, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. Let's pray for each other. And they're praying to different people. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think there are many ways to come to God. I, I love, love, love the way you describe that because it, it honors each person's link to all that is. And you and I don't have any more of a connection than someone who has a different practice or a different religion or a different outlook. I, I agree with you. I think it all goes to the same place. And, and however that feels right and true for you is the best path. I had a friend who told me I was doing the devil's work and that this was going to disconnect me from God. And I had been doing this work for a couple of years at this point. And I thought, oh, okay. It was very scary to hear her say that. And I just tucked it away. And a couple of years later, we talked again and she said the same thing. And at that point, I had been doing readings for about eight years. And I said, well, if this is separating me from God, the devil's not doing a very good job because I've never, <laughs> felt, I've never felt more connected to God. And the work I'm doing in my readings is really helpful to people. And in fact, I think it's bringing them closer to God. And she said, well, the devil's a trickster and he can work slowly. And that's when I thought, you know, hands up, here's the flag of surrender. I'm out like because if mm -hmm. if eight years of positive work doesn't show you the goodness in what you and I and other people do and believe then nothing is going to it's like doubting Thomas from the Bible when he had to put his hands in Jesus's wounds before he'd believe I mean for some people you know they're just gonna dig their heels in and and I think as spiritual people we have to we just have to let them be and honor them where they are in their path. You know, it's interesting as I've talked with a couple people over the past few weeks of, that are in parts of the country here in the United States where this isn't really embraced. This isn't considered. Uh, it, you know, yeah, I live in one me. of those parts. Of <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be really um, cautious about, you know, anyway, we all know where we are and and I think that can be a really, really lonely place when no one validates. And, and you know, it's one of the main reasons you and I started this show is we wanted to provide a community for people who might 
not have that in their geographical region or in their family of origin, because I am so excited that we're all finding each other through these times. I am too. And let me just tell you something I've learned living in one of those regions of the country. It is awesome being Catholic. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. So many people, like a new neighbor will move into the neighborhood or I'll just start talking to someone at a school function and they'll say to me, where do you go to church? You know, we belong to this amazing church where it's a community of friends and family and we look out for one another and we are a biblical based church. And, and I can hear and feel the sales pitch coming on. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved here, I didn't know what this was. And suddenly we were inundated with invitations to go to this charity function or this concert for a fundraiser or this baseball game. And I was like, gosh, these people really want to be my friend. No, no, no. It was a sales pitch. I have learned if I say, oh, I'm Catholic, it just shuts them down. I might as well be telling them I'm a Satan worshiper. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but there's a certain group of Christians in this town who think Catholicism is like, you know, the Antichrist gig. I don't know. But it just happened to be a couple of days ago, Denise. I haven't told you this story. I'll have to tell it to you later. And she's selling me on her church. And I just said, I go to St. Mark's. I'm Catholic. And she said, oh, do you believe in all that? And I said, well, I don't believe in the pedophilic priest, if that's what you mean. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I love the sacredness and unity of the millennial age of my church. And she said, well, good for you. Bless your heart. And that was it. Oh, Sales we know what ended. bless your heart We means. sure do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one. I just wanted to share, Denise and I received so many emails from you guys after our uh, episode on the Hayoka Empath from people saying, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me. I have to add, I'm super glad we did not receive any of those emails after our Dark Empath episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this first one said, Hello, I just finished listening to the episode like five minutes ago about Hayoka empaths, and it was amazing to hear something sounding exactly like me. This is the first time I've heard something describing me exactly. A clown and a mirror, all the other things you described. What a wild ride for my mind to listen to this episode. I'm not a weirdo empath. I'm a Hayoka empath. Thank you for, for making this podcast. And that's from Ida in Scandinavia. Um, our next one says... Thank you so much for your episode on the Hayoka. I was finally able to categorize myself. In a nutshell, I'm a painfully clairsentient empath. The world has always come to me with their problems, and I love to help people. But I'm also a comedian and a truth teller, which does not always serve me well. Working at a prestigious university, I'm surrounded by PhDs with incredible egos, and many times, much to their chagrin, I call them out in meetings. Although I do it in a fun and playful way, it has gotten me into some hot water at times. I've also been performing in theater for 50 years and comedy is my specialty. You would think that someone who enjoys performing in front of hundreds of people would be an extrovert, but it's just the opposite. When not working or performing, my favorite place is my quiet, peaceful home, meditating, doing yoga, taking a bath, and listening to enlightened empaths. Well, thank you. So your episode was truly a gift and a blessing. I've been listening to you as well as psychic teachers for the last couple of years, and I love you ladies. Thank you for all you do from Liz. 
So those are just two of many, many, many we received. And I just thought it'd be nice to share them, Denise, for all the other Hayoka empaths to know you are not alone. Right. And as we mentioned on that show, isn't it fascinating how this whole empathic world is getting more definitive of our uniqueness? And I love that. And I love yes. I, when I read the these emails from folks, it, it just touched my heart thinking, um, you know, it, it's such a blessing when you we say, oh, my God, that's me. And someone understands it. It really is. It's like coming home. Mm hmm. So our next one, uh, I'm a longtime listener, and from the bottom of my heart, just want to thank you for your work and its everlasting impact. Well, thank you for listening, I, and that it helps. I recently took a leap of faith coming out of the psychic closet and started offering free tarot readings to friends of friends and acquaintances. For the most part, this has gone surprisingly well. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive and validating. And then there's the one or two people that don't give me any kind of confirmation or after a week tell me the reading seemed hit or miss. This frustrates me because I tell people if something doesn't resonate, let me know so I can approach it differently. <laughs> I've been using an anonymous form in Google to solicit feedback, but after reading, I find myself eagerly awaiting people's responses. Maybe this is a bad idea. Should I practice accepting each reading for what it is and not be so attached to how it's received? But I'm so curious to see what hits and what doesn't. What are your thoughts and how do you deal with clients or sitters who are unusually quiet, indifferent, or vague with their interactions with your messages? Thank you. Sadly, a big part of any type of intuitive mediumship divination work is and you and I have talked about this a lot, Samantha, that for every wonderful, kind, interactive, positive reading that we do, there's always one or two that are thrown in that we don't get that quite as strong a link. Or, And I recently did a workshop and they said, you know, just know, own your part in it, but you can't control the outcome of someone else's perception of what they receive. And I like that. I like that too. I also think wanting validation is so normal because it's one of the reasons that, I mean, I like that feedback so I can strengthen the link with someone. And I always say at the beginning of a reading, if this, as this person mentioned, if this doesn't resonate or make sense, please tell me and I'll redirect because I don't want to waste your time or your money. But sometimes there's just not a good connection. I think I, with time, it gets easier and you start to trust yourself more and you get more of a relationship with your deck or with your, your uh, signs that come through when you're working, if you're doing intuitive tarot. And I think that that's important to just give what you get and consider it as much service work as anything else. I agree with that. I also think it's a wonderful idea to ask for feedback and to get the input that you need to see if you're on track. However, consistently doing that can keep you in your head. And when you're doing work for spirit, it's not about you. And it's not about how great you are or how awful you are. It's simply about being of service. And as Denise always says, you got to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> and if you're stuck in your mind thinking, is this landing? Is this hitting? Am I doing a good job? Am I showing up? Am I, am I, am I? 
you're staying stuck in your head and you're not allowing spirit to come through. And what can happen when we get there is that spirit's there and you're there, but you're kind of acting like, you know, a block, an interception, a, a red flag on the field going, no passes through here. And so I would recommend trying to just surrender to your abilities and surrender to the messages from spirit. Make sure that in your prayer of intention before each reading, you state clearly that only clients who need your specific input are drawn to you. Because you know, not everyone is going to like me and not everyone is gonna like Denise or you or you or you, right? We're not, we aren't all for everyone. There are certain readers who resonate with others and vice versa. And so to state that intention at the outset of only the right clients who are going to resonate with my unique messages are drawn to me, something along those lines, probably better worded, is going to be really helpful to setting your intentions and letting your guides know, look, I'm not the reader for everyone, so you guys be the filter and send people to me who are ready to hear what I have to say. And I think that can really start to help when you realize you have some control over who you read, but you also, it's this careful balance because you do have some control over what happens in a reading, but you also have to surrender so much of your id, your ego, and get out of that way so that spirit can just go right through you. And I think once you do that, the messages will land and be received much more openly than than maybe they have been by some. Very nicely stated. Thank you. Okay, our next question is also on being a Hayoka empath, and it starts, let me tell you how glad I am that you decided to choose this as a topic for your podcast. When you are a person who has always interpreted things so differently, it's inevitable to come to one of two conclusions, either I'm crazy or the rest of the world is. Yet, when I learned about the common traits of a Hayoka empath, everything clicked. While I still wasn't able to perceive as everyone else did, I was finally able to recognize that I wasn't alone in my understanding of the world we live in. There is something reassuring and magical about being able to check off boxes that are so deeply and personally relatable, yet uncommon or even foreign to those around you. Out of the blue, a friend of mine suggested that I may have some similar characteristics of a Hayoka empath. There wasn't much information on the internet, and most of what is available is culturally specific, but when I read it, some aspects or oddities of my life just clicked. I never understood why I was compelled to skim through magazines beginning at the back pages, or wrote my check marks backwards, or filled in a notebook pages from back to front. It just always seemed natural to me. I am left-handed, which I attributed as the likely reason I did things backwards. In school, I had a lot of trouble learning things because the way it was taught never really clicked for me. In math, I always looked at the problem and the answer and came up with an alternative way of solving it, different from the method that the instructor was teaching. In gymnastics, both as a participant and coach, I'd find myself figuring things out by segmenting the sections and maneuvering them in my mind. There is a natural tendency it made a trick muscle memory and stagnation by discovering and implementing diversions. I guess you might just say my brain is wired differently, which took me a really long time to both comprehend and accept. I frequently tend to approach things from a backward perspective that makes little sense to anyone else. 
In fact, I can somehow see the opposite perspective, a perspective that can spark a fresh understanding and sometimes shift the paradigm of the person whom I'm talking with. Of course, it doesn't always end so wonderfully as some people aren't so appreciative of my suggestions. So that email kind of echoes our other one on the Hayoka where, you know, she's interjecting in meetings and her honesty is not always accepted. So I think the path of a Hayoka empath is one that is unique and interesting and yet incredibly helpful. And I'm really happy that the show we did helped bring that home to so many people. As you were reading, I was thinking about how the collective energies right now, there's a strong, strong, strong thread of if it isn't real or true or genuine, it's really hard to tolerate. And people are reevaluating relationships or situations or jobs, or I think it's all part of this transition energy that we're in right now. But also interesting that this the, the truth telling resonates so strongly with this form of empath and they're stepping more fully into their power during, it, it matches the collective energy beautifully. It really does. Our next one, my question is about sharing space with a person who possesses an energy that is polar opposite from mine. I've reawakened to my need to be in touch with my spiritual path after having taken a break for many years studying science. I've dedicated a space in my house for meditation, reconnected with my crystal friends, and am currently in a mentorship for opening my intuition. This work has brought a sense of calm and joy I seem to have misplaced during the years I was in school and beginning my career. My husband, on the other hand, is an explosion of energy and doesn't resonate with any kind of spiritual path or meditation practice. I find as I continue on this journey, I'm having more and more trouble tolerating his extreme energy. I feel it when he's stressed and chaotic. I try not to take it on, but I can sense the way it makes me feel uncentered and even angry at times. I wondered if you have any tips and tricks, or if you've done a show about this in the past, I could do to which I could re-listen. I protect myself psychically in the morning and try to reground during the day. I know I cannot provide him with a sense of ease I'm feeling, but what can I do to learn to live more harmoniously with a person who will not change? It's a big question, I know, but if there are two people in the world who can help, I know it's you two. So much love and beautiful rainbow light to you both. Shiloh. Well, thank you, Shiloh, for sharing this. And I I think this is probably one of the most difficult things when there are people we cohabitate with or we love or we're in friendship with or relationship and we're growing and evolving in a direction that they may not understand or it may seem foreign to them. What I love, love about your note is that it's bringing you peace. It's bringing you solace. It's helping you reconnect with your own inner knowing and light, which are incredible, incredible signs of a true practice. If it's, you're not looking outside of yourself, you're looking within, you're finding people who are supporting you. You're, you've found a space in your home that you can have for privacy and, I mean, I would never, ever advocate stay or go. It's none of my business. But I, I really feel like you're doing all these things to step more fully into yourself. And as far as your art, I guess this comes down to what we mentioned in the last question. This is your truth and path to really say, is this something that 
I can be the Venn diagram. We can have our individuality and autonomy and still have that shared middle for our, our relationship. Is this my truth that I want to follow? What do you think, Samantha? Well, Denise, this is why I've never been so impressed with mystics and saints and hermits. You know how people are always like, oh, they're so spiritual. They have so much insight. Well, if you lived alone on top of a mountain, you would too. Because there'd be (laughs) no one to bother you, distract you, interrupt you, contradict you. I think it's so easy to be spiritual and connected and in tune when you're by yourself. I think the real challenge and part of the reason why so many of us are here at this time on Earth is to learn to find that center of peace exactly where we are with who and with whom we find ourselves as well. Now that's not easy, it's a challenge, but nobody said earth was gonna be easy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's hard. I have lived with anxious ridden people my whole life and it's always bothered me. I've never understood why people freak out over the littlest things or have these explosions of energy I mean, growing up, my mom would look for stuff to be anxious about. Like literally, if there, if it was a calm day, she'd find something. I remember once in the 80s, remember when wallpaper was a big thing? Mm-hmm. She had our li- one wall of our living room covered in bookshelf wallpaper. And we were having this very peaceful, quiet Saturday. And she decided to stare at that wallpaper and find the one flaw where they hadn't lined up the books to match. And it ruined her whole day, and she called the company, and blah, blah, blah. And I I was a little girl at that time, and I remember talking her down and going, Mom, first of all, no one else can notice it. Second of all, you've called and complained enough. They will come and fix it. Calm down and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Like, I've always been in that position where I've had to settle people down from their, you know, high energy. And for a lot of years, I just thought, well maybe your chill like inner core is just your job on earth like maybe i help round out some edges right but as i grew older i realized that's a hard job (laughs) and it's not my job it's not my responsibility if you want to be a spaz and anxious and exploding your energy in all sorts of different wonderful and negative ways you do you but I had to learn to separate myself from that, even when I was in the same home as that anxious energy. And so I do think it's possible. I really, really do. I do think that the people who live with us do learn from our example. When they see us not freaking out or not getting all excited or, you know, for good or bad. I know what she means about that, you know, up and down energy, like just someone who watches the news and goes, can you believe this world? Or... Uh, someone who watches a sports game and screams when their team loses, like all of that can be really shocking to an empath, right? But I think that our example of being calm and peaceful really does help them in the long run. And I think their example of being so overreactive helps us too, because it helps us to live in the present moment, to be more grounded, learning to live with different kinds of people I just think it's the most important thing we can do here on this earth for our own inner growth. So not the most important thing we can do on earth, but for our own inner growth, it is one of the most important things. If we only surrounded ourselves by people who were exactly like us, first of all, how boring would that be? And second of all, how would we grow? Any positive thing that grows in nature grows from stress. Every, we've all heard it before, the butterfly, the pearl, the diamond, they all grow from stress. 
And so I'm not saying like your marriage is stressful and good luck to you. What I am saying is there is a treasure to be found here where you can look at your husband and see all the positive things that his excess energy brings to your home. And he can be invited to look at you and see all the positive things that your calm, uh, sensitive energy brings to the home. And you two can work out some agreements where you can say like, I need quiet time from three to five or seven to nine, whatever. And you can have your loud explosive time where you're watching sports or whatever it is he's doing from this time. But if you can learn to kind of honor and respect each other and put it into some type of a mutually agreeable um, schedule almost, that can be really, really helpful. Something else you can do is you can put a soft light around him to kind of calm his energy down. Visualizing a light blue light around him can be very effective and super peaceful. You can put calming stones on his side of the bed, like angelite or blue lace agate or amethyst. You can put them under the bed as well if he's not uh, amenable to having crystals on his nightstand. So there's, there's some metaphysical things you can do, but I think there's also some practical things you can do where you can just sit down and say, hey, no offense, but when you do A, B, and C, it really bugs you. I'm sure when I do A, B, and C, that really bugs you. Let's look at a way that we can balance this out because the love between you two is stronger than this. That's a lot of really, really good information. And I just want to add one more little thing. Congratulations on finding that balance between the hemispheres to be in a science-based occupation and have that be your life and then be able to bring that balance and honor that other that other aspect of who you are. That's big work. That's really big work. It really is. It's wonderful work. Okay, our next one says, I've always felt a lot and just recently heard of the term empath. I was raised in a fiercely dogmatic religion in Alabama. After joining church, if you sinned, hell was assured. I divorced 21 years ago and have raised a beautiful daughter who is also an empath. Recently, I had an Airbnb guest who was a yoga instructor, and we discussed meditation. Then I saw a documentary on the reality of truth, and the main guy was on a quest for enlightenment. Recently, I was talking to a friend, and enlightenment came up again. She was raised in the same religion as I, but got out early. She told me that I'm searching, and I should tell the universe that I am open to see. Like, she wanted me to do it right then, so I did. I had driven to Alabama to spend time with a family of a friend who had just passed. So on my way back home, I searched enlightenment and empath, and guess who popped up? So I listened to you ladies for hours. I also heard you interview a couple of men. You all sound like a man, like a male empath is a unicorn. <laughs> I hope we don't put that out there, Denise. I'm just so excited to be hearing from all these men who are empaths, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he continues. My mom was divorced when I was 12. She and my sister pulled their money for us to survive. So I was raised by two women and my mom's woman friends. I always say I was raised by a pack of women in a good way. I am an empathic man who is definitely on a journey. I don't know which steps to take. I have mostly put down the notion that I cannot escape hell. I go to a church where I lead worship and I also lead a service at a woman's penitentiary that our church hosts. My issue is, my belief in Jesus and my desire to explore enlightenment seem to go directly against everything I've been taught and much of that I'm trying to shake free from. 
One of you I hear talking of praying in church study groups. I don't understand. I apologize for my randomness. I struggle to even send this because I don't know enough to ask a coherent question. I just felt I had to make a step, however crippled it was. Okay, well, that's not a crippled first step, and we really appreciate you taking the time to send this to us, and welcome to the community of enlightened empaths. And no, we do not believe that male empaths are, are unicorns. It's just it's just so wonderful to hear from more and more men. It, it makes us really feel as though this show is making a difference and opening up to a wider community. I do think that when you're raised with such a dogmatic religion, and you're a man and you have these expectations and these fears that have been ingrained in you from a child of if you step out of line you know you will go to hell uh, those those early childhood beliefs they're very very hard to get out of our soul to get out of our system to get out of our emotions and i think it's important that you stay on this journey but also say, I am open to feeling, I am open to growing, I am open to evolving. And ask Jesus to walk with you and to show you what it really means to be a Christian, to be a believer in the world of spirit, whatever label you want to use. I think that's important. You know, Jesus can be a, a trigger word for some people, but Christ is more just of a universal energy. So whatever word works with your belief system, I think is fine. Uh, PMH Atwater wrote a book on children who had near-death experiences. And in one section of the book, she focused on children who were born outside of any Christian influences, where they had never heard of the Bible or heard of the Ten Commandments or heard of Jesus Christ. And she found it interesting that all of those children saw who they called Christ when they went over to the other side for a few moments and, and luckily came back. So again, I know Jesus is a trigger word for some people, but Christ is a universal consciousness. And so ask that energy of the Christ consciousness to walk with you as you go on this journey and to help you understand what is expected of you, not only from all these other people and influences, but from your higher self, from your soul, because you're doing really good work. You're leading worship at your church. You're helping women in the penitentiary. You're giving people hope. Most importantly, you, as a male empath on a spiritual journey, just living that path, just walking that step by step, you are being an example, not only for your daughter, but for so many other people. And the more you hold on to that, the more you'll see what an incredible difference you are making. So even though people might tell you what you're doing is against our church beliefs or blah, 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 blah. You need to find it in your heart that what you are doing and feeling and seeking is truth. If you study Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, there's always this moment on the journey of the hero. And we are all the hero of our own journey. But there is always this moment. It's right after we meet the teacher, we meet the adversary. And that is such a difficult part of the journey. It often leads to a dark night of the soul if we're not careful. Well, I shouldn't say that because sometimes the dark night of the soul can be, in retrospect, the greatest blessing we can experience. But those adversaries that we meet on our hero's journey, the ones that are throwing sticks and stones at us, either verbally or physically, 
those are just as important as the helpers, teachers, mentors, and friends that we meet along our journey as well. Because they give us the passion, they give us the roots to our belief, they force us to stand up again and again and again in the fight that can feel like this world we walk every day to say, no, no, I'm not gonna listen to you, I'm not gonna listen to you, I'm going to listen to me and my God and what my soul is telling me and I'm going to follow my path from my authentic heart. You all go follow your own path, blessings to you, let me walk my path. And so sometimes we have to welcome those adversaries and sometimes we have to recognize that those adversaries on our path are ourselves. And so it's really important when we're in that stage of our journey to reach out it's not a crippled question that you asked at all. It's a beautiful question. And the more that you ask it, not to us, to yourself, to your higher power, the more you ask that question, the deeper and deeper and deeper you will go to find the true answer, which will lead you further on your path. But I hope that you see right now, today, that you're doing good work every moment. I'd just like to add that... Um everything about what you wrote is coming from a place of kindness it's coming from a place of compassion and empathy and understanding and love and i don't i am i i cannot understand why it isn't that exactly what what jesus and christ and god want us to be here to do is to help each other out and be kind that's i i truly believe that in my heart and, you know, if, if we're going to hell, you can sit next to me on the bus, but I get the window, okay? So truly, this, I think you are an amazing human being with all of the service work that you're doing. But also, I can't imagine how that would be all of this beautiful, beautiful work that you're doing would ever be discredited because you're honoring being a sensitive, empathic, kind human being. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what the Bible teaches us, Denise, it, a lot of it contradicts itself, right? Like, if you do this, 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 or that, you're go you'll go to hell. But then we're told to love everyone, forgive everyone, because God loves and forgives everyone. Well, those two things can't be true at the same time, right? If God loves and forgives everyone then how can God also submit people to eternal fire, hell, and damnation? But the, the other part that really sticks out in this note is that um, this gentleman leads worship. He leads a service at a women's penitentiary. That's huge, huge, huge service work. It really that's, is. That's a connection to spirit and divine, but it's also sharing that that energy with the, with, especially in the penitentiary, people who need hope, people who need a lifeline. I, it's I, big I, important work. It really, really is. Well, we hope these questions have given you some food for thought and reminded you that wherever you are in your path, you're not alone. And that really and truly we're all here, as Ram Dass said, walking each other home. If you would like to send a question or story and to be shared on our next Community Connections, you can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on our Facebook page, 
where you can find us at Enlightened Empaths. We hope to see you on social media and in emails, but until then, we'll be back with you next week. Have a great week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.